I had the privilege and opportunity, it was a glorious day, to go on a hike and to spend the day in Brevard, North Carolina. If you've not gone to Brevard, you should go. It's just lovely. A uh, little confession as well. Uh, greatest hot dogs I've ever had in my life are in Brevard. I, that says more about me than I meant to there, sorry. But um, I can, I can, yeah, I can embarrass myself with hot dogs. It's, it's not a good thing. Um, but we left. We pulled out of our driveway, and, and I typically back the, the van in. I back our cars in. I, I guess I learned that from my dad. I'm not sure, but that's the proper way to, you know, park a vehicle. You back it in. I don't know. And uh, as we were pulling out, we had just made that little bump down in the, the little gutter and then turned. We weren't even out of the cul-de-sac yet, and my three-and-a-half-year-old said, are we there yet? It's <laughs> two-and-a-half-hour two two drive, and we, we, weren't out of, we weren't out of our cul-de-sac. You get that? Like, we had not really, I had not given it gas to go yet. Are we there? How much longer? It's going to be a bit, buddy. So we put on, like, I don't know, war and peace or something on the DVD player and let them just have at it. There's this sense of uh, sometimes we want to know how much longer, how much further we're going to go. And I know that I'm, <laughs> that doesn't fall on deaf ears in moments like this where we're thinking about these metrics in society that are being measured and that need to be moved and and we, we keep waiting and then something it feels like they're moving but there is a light at the end of the tunnel and to quote one of our elders it's finally not a freight train staring us down that's a it's a pleasant feeling c.s lewis in the last battle there's a passage there that describes and may give us a little bit of understanding into what's happening here in exodus 24 that jeremy just read for us The book ends with this old land of Narnia passing away. And all the true Narnians are entering this new Narnia. There's a tremendous sense of excitement and joy as the subjects of that new and glorious kingdom leap and begin to explore. They leap over hills and they cascade down waterfalls and each new thing they encounter is more spectacular and wonderful than anything they had seen in the old Narnia and it just keeps getting better and better. It's more amazing than they could have comprehended. They don't stop, they actually keep moving faster and faster and you can almost see the cinematic nature of this playing out. Everyone shouts loudly, farther up and farther in. And they rush off to see more of the wonders of their new land. This was Moses' experience to some degree on Mount Sinai. Now probably not talking rats and animals like were in Narnia, but this thought that God had called him farther up and farther in to experience something that he had never experienced before. God called him up to the mountain. He saw God's glory there. He heard God's voice. He ate and drank with him, and then he entered the glory of God in a distinct way. He kept going farther up and farther in until he was finally enclosed or enveloped in this incredible, radiant presence of God. It's a remarkable account. Just a little bit closer. Just a little bit farther. What we commonly refer to as culture and society and social influence thrive in this space of just a little bit further. Are you there yet? Think about it. Influencers are those who have been tapped into tapping us into the next thing. 
They call us from where we are to where they are. They call us from what we just bought in the past and tell us that's useless. And now the influencer says, nope, you got to have this now. They call us from what we're thinking and believing and feeling to their narrative. They call us from what the Bible reveals is true to the subjective mire of their truth. So this morning as we continue the passage in Exodus with a title like Farther On, it can feel like, uh uh-oh, here's another goalpost, another next thing, another something I've got to do and get and... uh, Here's the thing I want to encourage you about from the Lord this morning, though. It's not a moving target. God is calling us as believers, we'll see, play out this morning, farther up and farther in so we can go farther on, farther up into his arms so we might know the heart of God, farther into his presence so that we might be reminded that we were made for his pleasure. And his plan is perfect for our lives. When the offers and all the flashy things of this world will fade away, we will be with him forever. This is where Moses is in our text this morning. Now as we pick up and you've got your Bibles there, open them up, grab a pew Bible if you need to, to Exodus 24. We're going to be there in those verses 9 through 18. We're just going to touch a few things this morning Let me remind you where we are in Exodus. It's only been four weeks, but I have to be reminded of things often. Exodus starts, of course, with the slavery of the Israelites and the birth of Moses, and then God calls Moses, and then in chapter 5, there's the great escape. That takes 10 chapters to unfold for us. There's the giving of the law, which is what we're buttoning up now, and then Moses is going to spend 40 days and 40 nights on the mountain where God is going to unpack for him what will fill up 16 chapters left of Exodus. It's quite an experience, right? He gets the building of the tabernacle. He gets instructions on the tabernacle and on setting up the order of the priesthood. And then there's rebellion and judgment. And then Exodus finishes out in the last five chapters. In saying all that, Exodus 24 is one of the most essential chapters in the entire Old Testament. It lays out the biblical pattern for worship. It establishes God's covenant with his people based on blood. Remember, they had to be sprinkled with blood so they could draw near. It tells how God gave the law. That's important. And it shows how men and women, mortals like you and me, can encounter the living God and live to tell about it. In our last study of the text, we called it an invitation to worship. We stopped at verse 11, summarizing that there was this grand invitation for the people to draw near to God. If we think of it in that call, that's exactly the way I want us to think about it. God called all of Israel to the base of the mountain, and that was, in essence, a worship gathering. Have you been to a worship gathering lately? Do this, because you're in one now. Yes? Okay, good. Uh, uh, Sunday morning so it was this large group it was the gathered body at the base of the mountain that was the large group of people and then there was a smaller group of people that had a more intimate experience right they were at a table together they got to learn together to feast together to commune together in a special way that was different from the large gathering but they had to start at the base of the mountain before they could get up a little bit And now today we're going to see an even smaller group of people, two, (laughs) 
about the smallest you can have to say group, and then what happens to the individual who goes farther. Two main notes this morning. I, I don't even know if they're worth writing down. They're for me, but they help me. Maybe they'll help you. I would put the first note here, going farther with one, and an emphasis on that word, with. So remember, all of Israel's come to the base of the mountain to worship God. The elders have come and sat at a place by God's direction a little higher up the mountain, and then we see the text unfolding. Look with me there at verse 12 in your Bibles. The Lord said to Moses, Come up to me on the mountain and wait there, that I may give you the tablets of stone. By the way, this is the first time the tablets are mentioned. The tablets of stone with the law and the commandment which I have written for their instruction. So Moses rose with his assistant Joshua. I would underline that if you're okay writing in your Bible. If not, do one of those mental underlines that some of you brilliant people do that don't have to do like the rest of us. He went with his assistant Joshua and Moses went up into the mountain of God and he said to the elders, wait here for us until we return to you and behold, Aaron and Hur are with you. Whoever has a dispute, let him go to them. So Moses and Joshua, God calls Moses up but Joshua goes with him just as far as he can go. They go farther into the presence of God than the rest of the elders. The elders were left back to lead and to serve. In fact, remember he says, Aaron, you and her take charge. When I was reading this last night to our family, and in case you're listening and not reading in your Bibles, I'm saying her, that's a person's name, H-U-R, not her, some random woman standing there beside of Aaron, okay? It's not like Moses using all these proper names. It's like, Aaron, you and her go. No, that's not how that played out. So you two gentlemen go back and handle this. And take care of this. Now, we know, if you're thinking with me, right, you know how this all plays out. It doesn't go good for Israel while Moses is away. They revert to some things, and Aaron's right there. Yeah, sure, let's do this. And then it just doesn't work. So there are consequences, real and lasting consequences to this decision. But I want you to hear me. It's still the best and right decision to make because God didn't call the whole group up. God's calling Moses up. Joshua goes with him. When the Lord calls you, and he is calling you, by the way, from his word, to be intimate with him and to have a personal walk with the Lord, you're going to have to let some things go. If you're going to have a dynamic walk with the Lord and be filled with the Spirit and walk after God, you can't do all the things. You're going to have to make some trade-offs. Some of your me time may have to sacrifice to be his time. You'll have to say no to some non-essential things so you can say yes to the most important things. Moses was the best equipped to lead and make decisions, but God was calling him up. But Joshua went with him. Joshua went with him. So you can get close to God in that large group and you can get closer to God in a small group. But there's something special that happens when you're in a discipling relationship with somebody. 
I would ask you this morning, think of yourself as a Joshua in this story. Normally, I don't like to put ourselves in the text in that way because we always put ourselves in at the heroes. Like, we always put ourselves in as David taking out Goliath when the reality is we should probably be the Israelites on the side going, what are we going to do, right? That's where I identify with. We're rarely the hero in the story, by the way. Um, but I want you to imagine you're a Joshua. Can I ask you a question this morning? Who is your Moses? Who are you following? Who are... Who are you listening to? Who are you seeking out and having conversations with and spending time with that's not just imparting the wisdom of the world to you or teaching you to be better at your job or a mentor-mentee relationship? I'm asking you, who's taking you further up and further in in your walk with the Lord? Who's your Moses? Not on the Sunday morning large gathering. I, I mean, I feel like some of you are like, well, it's you, Pastor. You're the Moses. And I stroke my graying beard and say, thank you. Thank you for that. That's not what this is. Well, my small group leader is pretty awesome. He's pretty amazing. She's pretty awesome. She's pretty amazing. That's, that's pretty cool. But that's not what this is. This is a one-on-one -on -one relationship. This is a smallest group here. Who's your Moses. Not just your best buddy that you can be real with, but someone that moves you closer to the Lord. Who are you close with that is living in the love of God, walking in the spirit of Christ, and obediently fulfilling the Great Commission? Paul would write to his Joshua in Timothy and say, I'm not ashamed in 2 Timothy 1, 12 through 14, for I know in whom I have believed, and I'm convinced that he is able to guard unto that day that which has been entrusted to him, Listen to what he says. Follow the pattern of the sound words that you've heard from me in the faith. And follow the love that's in Christ Jesus. By the Holy Spirit who dwells within us, guard what I have entrusted to you. Let me break it down, young people. Here's what he's saying. Follow me as I follow Christ. Now, if I said to you in the room this morning, everybody that's of walking age whose parents would trust me with this, kind of in a Pied Piper way, right? If I said, follow me to the ice cream shop, my treat, right? You're like, I'm in, preacher. I have faith that you know where you're going, right? And, and you would assume, since I'm in the South End four or five days a week on a regular basis, trying to build relationships with business owners and people who pass by and praying for people and trying to connect, that you would assume, I bet he knows where some good ice cream is. And, and, and you would follow me because I'm taking you somewhere that you want to go. Who are you following that's taking you closer into the walk with the Lord? You see, we learn best by serving at someone else's side. That's where Joshua is. The Lord called Moses and Joshua didn't flinch. He just picks up his stuff and goes right with him because he wants to get as close as he can to watch Moses obey, to see what the Lord would do. You need somebody pushing and pulling and leading and loving and shepherding you toward the Lord, somebody that sees you, that knows you. Okay, we were Joshua's there. Now let me ask you, let's all pretend to be Moses. I know you're all thinking of Charlton Heston, at least the Duke fellows are. Thinking we'd love to look that good at that age, right? But uh, here we go. We're all Moseses for the moment. Who's your Joshua? Who are you bringing with you 
on your journey to the Lord. Paul said to Timothy, follow me as I follow Christ. And he didn't say that when the mic was on and the lights were on and the live stream was running. This is when they flicked the breakers off at the church, locked up the building, left the place. He said, now follow me as I follow Christ. Who are you mentoring, discipling, encouraging, bringing closer to the Lord with you? To whom have you said, follow me as I follow Christ? Side note here, this assumes, of course, that you are a healthy church member. Some of us need a little work. There's a little distance between us asking somebody to follow us and us making sure we know where we're going. Because if you ask me to take you the best way to a place I don't know, I'm not the right candidate. I don't know much of Charlotte. I know little pieces of it. Titus 2 points us in this direction, men discipling men, women discipling women. You see, a lot of churches have a men's ministry, but they may not actually be ministering to men in a way that makes disciples. A lot of churches have a women's ministry, but they may not actually be ministering to women in a way that equips them so that they can say, follow me as I follow Christ and follow me as I follow this one who's shepherding me. We're all heading toward this glorious encounter with God. Discipleship can start with a large gathering, but it goes farther than that. Being a disciple for Jesus can start with a large gathering and move into a small group. That's important, it's essential, but it goes farther than that. You see, discipleship, biblical discipleship happens and is lived out among us when we are learning from a Moses and leading a Joshua. It's a beautiful thing. Titus 2, show yourself in all respects to be a model of good works and in your teaching show integrity dignity and sound speech that cannot be condemned so that an opponent may be put to shame having nothing evil to say about us this is not perfection we're after but it's maturity that we're demonstrating you want to know who's following the lord men and women who are teachable and who are submissive to others to the church second timothy 2 i love this one of my favorite discipleship passages you then my child being strengthened by the grace that's in Christ Jesus watch this Paul says what you've heard from me in the presence of others presence of many witnesses you Timothy entrust a faithful men who'll be able to teach others also that's four generations of discipleship watch it Paul I get to be Paul just because I'm up here sorry it's only that's the only similarity right that I'm just I started there so Paul is here and says what you've heard from me you Timothy Take and teach others so that they might entrust it to others. What does that tell you? He didn't say, like we do in America, you, Timothy, go get everybody and bring them to me because they need to hear what I have to say. (laughs) 10 o'clock every morning at the corner of South End Boulevard. No, he wasn't trying to build a brand or market and get everybody in one place at one time. He's trying to equip and release the church to make disciples. He didn't complicate the message exegesis and expository preaching is what happens in our gathering it's not what happens at our small group level we spend time learning how to let the text live we we study and we learn to study by studying it's a great thing god called moses and joshua went as far as he could the second point this morning going farther as one 
You see, I've heard people say in the past, you're like, this is really kind of no-brainer points. I told you, they're not that great of points, but they're right there in the text. It's helpful to me. I've heard a lot of people blame churches for a lot of things. I just don't feel God there. I'm not getting anything out of it, right? Or, or they say, I'm just not my favorite, ready for this one? I haven't heard it here necessarily. But when somebody says, I'm just not getting fed, that's, that's, that's you know, a little alarming because we've seen you eat. No, just. <laughs> but I'm just not getting fed. I hope that you've seen this morning that that large gathering at the, if everybody, if Moses and Joshua would have stayed at the base of the mountain, we, we wouldn't have gotten the law. Now God in his sovereignty would have had another plan. I know that. But I'm saying everybody, you, you can't get all you need in that gathering. You, you can't get all you need in your walk with God at a large gathering on Sunday morning. It, it's just not designed to work that way. It never really was. It's essential. You need this. We need each other in this. It's a beautiful thing. Hebrews says we don't forsake the assembling of ourselves, but we don't get all we need here. We need each other. And we need to press on in our own walk with the Lord. Let me get back to the text for a moment, and then we'll give final application and spend some time in singing this morning. Moses had been getting closer and closer to God ever since Exodus started. He met with God at the burning bush. He spoke with God on the mountain and heard his voice uh, in the glorious cloud. With the rest of Israel's leaders, he saw God and shared a covenant meal with him. He was the mediator, the man who represented the people before God. And now God is inviting him further up and further in. Verses 15 through 18, you've got the text there. Then Moses goes up to the mountain and the cloud covers the mountain. The glory of the Lord dwelt on Mount Sinai that covered the six days. And on the seventh day, he called to Moses out of the midst of the cloud. There's a description there of what it looks like. It looks like a devouring fire for the people down below. Moses goes into the cloud, up in the mountain, and was there 40 days days and 40 nights by the way side note here that'll give you a little bit of insight at how quickly Israel fell apart at the base of the mountain they didn't know how long he was going to be up there right we've got the benefit of this because it's recording it after the fact remember we're looking back he was there 40 days and 40 nights imagine me saying y'all hang right here I'm going over there and you're like oh okay and you sit here and hours tick away and you're like do we leave or what do we do like, is the pastor okay? Can anybody go check on him? It's a little awkward, to say the least. So Moses has gone 40 days and 40 nights. We'll come back to that in subsequent weeks. God called Moses to an even higher height so that he might give him the tablets of stone. It took Moses six days to get from the place where he was to where God wanted him to be. The glory that's spoken of here, the Old Testament word, is the same word. It's the Shekinah word. It's the word that we use to describe the presence of God. This cloud that's described first appeared in chapter 13 as a pillar of fire and a cloud also to lead them of darkness. It's, uh, the cloud has served as protection and guide for the Israelites in their plight against the Egyptians. And here we see God calling Moses into this cloud, indicated in Exodus 19 as well. Elsewhere in the Bible, it represents God's glorious presence, his awesome, multifaceted, partly mysterious, but always protective and encompassing presence. 
The blazing fire they mentioned reminds us of the text in Hebrews which says, Our God is an all-consuming fire. What flows from this meeting, I mentioned earlier, 16 chapters worth of profound spiritual truths about who God is and how He wants to be worshipped and how we can serve Him acceptably and with reverence. What's the application for us? I think it's a beautiful illustration. There are a lot of ways to take the text this morning, but God is calling you. Now on this side of Calvary and the resurrection and the Holy Spirit and grace, we get to say with full assurance this morning, God is calling you. He's calling you into an intimate walk with him. It's not God's will that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And he's long-suffering. He is calling you this morning. God called the large group to worship, but they experienced God at a distance. That was God's command for them. The people at the base of the mountain were afraid to hear God's voice. Do you remember that? They got there, they heard the Lord, and then like, yeah, we're good. Moses, you go talk to God and you just tell us what he says. Jesus, we have to remember, only spoke to large crowds in the New Testament a handful of times. There weren't a lot of large gatherings in the New Testament. Large gatherings are essential, but God calls us farther up and farther in. Then we see the small group. God calling the smaller group to worship. They experienced a meal together in his presence, but the small group could only go so far up. Jesus spent most of his time in small groups. That's where discipleship is taught better and caught some. Small groups, Bible study groups, Sunday school, community groups, whatever you want to call them, I want to tell you and remind you, they are essential to your relationship with God and your connection to the body of Christ. Rarely do people that are attending faithfully on Sunday morning and engaged in a small group leave a church and say, we just couldn't connect with anybody. Frequently, people that only attend on a Sunday morning and want from Sunday morning what Sunday morning cannot deliver say it, we just couldn't connect. You want to connect? We do too. We do better outside of the Sunday morning context. They'll take you farther up and farther in with a community of believers, but God is still calling you farther discipling relationships are in the Old and New Testament alike. God called Moses up higher and he and Joshua went together. Remember, we learn by serving at someone else's side. The most intimate moments in Jesus' ministry happened when he was with two or three others. Jesus would pull Peter away in John chapter number 21 to teach him the most fundamental truth about leading the flock, loving him. We're heading toward dynamic faith. We're heading toward a dynamic faith and walk with God when somebody who sees us is helping us press on toward the prize and we're helping someone else too. Your personal relationship with God is the ultimate goal here, right? Your personal walk with the Lord through Christ. The large crowd was content to hang back and have someone else tell them about God. How tragic it is when God's people settle for the lowest level of engagement when God has made all of this available to us. There are new heights and new blessings and new amazing encounters with one another and with God to experience together. 
The Bible talks about it in Hebrews chapter number 10, this new and living way. We're not drawn up to a mountain, as it were, with smoke and clouds where we have to be afraid. No, we are drawn up by the person of Christ. The old timers would say it this way, you are as close to God as you want to be. What are you making time for in your life? What's essential in your life? You're going to have to say no to some things if you want to get into God's presence in a way that's so dynamic and rewarding and that's more than just kind of entry level, if you will, Christian experience. James 4, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. We get to draw near to God because we've not come to what may be touched, a blazing fire and darkness and gloom and a tempest and the sound of a trumpet and a voice whose words made the hearers beg no further messages. We've not come to a mountain where God dwells. Hebrews 12 says, We've come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to the innumerable angels in the festal gathering, and to the assembly of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven, and to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of the righteous made perfect, and to Jesus, the mediator of the covenant, to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than that of Abel. Farther on, still go farther. Count the milestones one by one. Jesus will forsake you never. It is better farther on. So how do you go farther? How do you leave Sunday morning and go farther? Will you go one step at a time? My question to you this morning is, what's the next step for you? Well, it depends on where you're headed, doesn't it? This journey into God's arms and into his presence was not designed for you to go alone. Ladies, from teens to queens in the room this morning. That's me trying to be cute, sorry. If you don't have someone older in your life that's helping you move farther up and farther on in your walk, look around. There are people in the congregation that can help you. Men, young and mature, couldn't be so cute there. If you don't have someone older than you in your life helping you move farther up and farther on, look around. That's what church is. Is for. The Bible says everything that we need to have a dynamic relationship with God, we can have, and it's been made available to us. Here's your call to action. I'm going to ask you to do something. Of course, there's an invitation to salvation. I'll get to that in a moment, but I'm going to ask you a question. There's a little envelope in front of you uh, on that pew that you can grab. If you, if you don't have one, there's a little sheet of notebook paper if you want to grab that or a little writing tablet of some construct there. I would ask you this morning, do you need someone to disciple you? To my Joshua's in the room. Do you need a Moses? Would you be so bold as to maybe write down, like, name, Chad Miller? I don't need all your digits or information. Be like, my name is Chad Miller. Uh, here's my email address. And then write on there, I need a Moses. I need this relationship in my life. I don't have it. I need it. I want it. Would you do that and then drop it in that box on your way out so we can take time and pray over these and do our best as a church family to connect you with someone in that way? Now let's turn the page. Are you willing to disciple someone? Do you need a Joshua? 
You don't have to be perfect to disciple somebody else. You have something to offer. You've walked with God. You're walking in the Spirit. You know you need some. It's time to bring somebody along with you. Same thing. Give me some information and say, I need a Joshua. I'm ready to do this. It's just one application from the text, but I think it speaks well to today. Would you stand with me this morning? Every time we come to gather like this and worship the Lord, there's a call to action. Israel wasn't drawing up or higher or closer. They didn't have to go up higher to be saved. They'd already been rescued from Israel. So he's talking to his people here, right? Some were content to stay back. Some got called up higher. Well, now on this side of grace, we know that God is saying, draw near to me and I'll draw near to you. It's a beautiful thing. What's in the way of you drawing near? What's tripping you up from showing up for a small group or community group? What's tripping you up from engaging in a discipling relationship? What's tripping you up from saying no to some things so you can be more disciplined in your spiritual walk? Well, that's to the church, but I'm wondering, have you even come to the base of the mountain this morning? Not Mount Sinai, but Calvary. God's calling you this morning. Would you pray with me? Father, in Jesus' name, for those who have yet to taste and see that the Lord is good, they've not actually come to the base of the mountain using our illustration this morning and what we saw lay out um, to worship. They've come to watch others worship. It's a good place to be because it it invites people in to see that you are living and true and awesome and majestic. Oh, I pray today, Lord, that you would convict them of their sin and draw them to repentance and a living faith in you so that they will go farther up and farther in. For what purpose? That we might go farther on and bring you more glory and more honor and be more useful to you in the days and weeks ahead in the lives of others. Lord, the world doesn't need a new definition of Christianity. It just needs a real demonstration of it. And your text this morning has reminded us we cannot do it alone. Fill us with your spirit in a fresh and a new way as we press on in the days ahead. We ask these things in Jesus' name. And the church said, Amen. Let's sing together.